0: Good morning. morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Makes me think of rejection. Rejection's the worst, isn't it? Um, what better way to start out a Valentine's Day uh, message or a message that's on Valentine's Day, I should say, than than, talk, than sharing a good rejection story from fifth grade? Um, so fifth grade, those are the days. But fifth grade home ec class, okay. Um, two memories from that home ec class. The first one, well, both of them were terrible. Um, the first one, I remember I used salt instead of sugar in sugar cookies. They didn't taste so great. I don't know why. Um, if I was expecting saltines, they would have tasted great. Um, the next one was on Valentine's day. I decided that I was going to ask this girl out or whatever you kids call that these days. Uh, You know what I'm talking about, but wrote the note. I think you're cute. Will you go out with me? Something like that, right? And he folded up, and then of course I give it to my friend who gives it to her, right? And then she writes back and goes, it's the thought that counts. I don't know what the rest of it said, but she said that several times in it, folded up, gave it to her friend, gave it back to me. Terrible Valentine's Day. Rejection. It's its a really powerful driving force. Uh, I think a... I think at prom, Um, one year, I got the the car all slicked up, got the wax out, got got the tux rented, reservations at a restaurant, had the hairstyle going, uh, popped the breath mints. You know what I'm talking about. It's ready to go. Why would I do that? So I wouldn't get rejected. So she wouldn't reject me. My job interview here, actually. Um, I remember with, with Jack Owens, Troy Nesbitt, they were interviewing me. Um, and I was so careful with my with my words and my mannerisms that, like halfway through the interview, I remember them saying something like, "So you seem like a pretty calm person," and I just laughed at them and went, "I, I need to I need to loosen up then because that's not me." Um, <laughs> and then a couple of days later, they were hearing me speak out at Hidden Acres just to, to hear how I taught the Bible um, as part of my interview process, and and I was almost like apologizing to them ahead of time. Hey, remember this is a junior high message. Okay, this is for junior hires. Remember that? As if they didn't know that. As if they've never spoken to junior hires. Okay, but why was I doing all of that? So that I wouldn't get rejected. A lot of our lives are driven by and controlled by a fear of rejection. And we're jumping back into Romans today. And we're going to be specifically in the beginning of Romans 8. But Romans 8 assures us. That if we are in Christ, rejection is the thing of the past in the most important relationship in our lives, our relationship with God. So if you want to start turning there to Romans 8, um, and if you would like one of these, we have some of these out on the welcome table on your way out. This is just, uh, it's got scripture on the left and then a spot to, to take notes on the right. Uh, if you want to grab one of those on your way out today or go grab one now, I'd go for it. Um, But Romans 8. So before we do that, though, it's been weeks and weeks and weeks since we've been in Romans. So let me give you a really fast recap of of chapters 1 through 7. Okay, Romans 1 through 3 says basically this, we're all terribly sinful and selfish and by nature are under God's just wrath. Chapters 4 to 5, though, we get to the hope. There's the, the only way To be right before God, to to be righteous, to be in right standing, justified, is through faith in Jesus Christ. Trusting in Christ's work on the cross. And then chapter 6, it starts talking about our identity. Okay, after you've put your faith in Christ, here's, here's who you are. And he starts with, here's who you are not. You are no longer defined by sin. Certainly as Christians, we sin. But that is not our identity. We, we, are not, we, we are not sinners. No, we are saved from our sin. Now we are saved by grace. And now we are children of God. But chapter 6 is like, you're no longer, your identity isn't found in sin. So quit living like it is. And then chapter 7, your identity is no longer in the law or in rules. That's not where you find your identity in how well you do at keeping the rules. And chapter 8 then turns to the positive. Here's what your identity is. Your identity is found in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Chapter 8 says, this is who you are now. And and it's incredible news. This is why some people call chapter 8 of Romans the greatest chapter in the Bible, because it's saying, here's who you are. And we all know that who we are, our identity drives what we do. So if you'll turn to Romans 8, 1-4, to 4, we're going to read this. And a couple amazing things about this chapter in general. If you look through this chapter, there is no commands in here. No do this, do that, none of that at all in here. It's all about being, not doing. It's about identity. It's about who we are. The Holy Spirit is also mentioned 19 times in chapter 8. So the main theme... Of Romans 8 is, that the, is, the, is the Holy Spirit's work to bring assurance or security in Christ. In one word, Romans 8 is about assurance. Now, our section for today, Romans 8, 1 to 4, is all about our new identity. And I'm entitling this, from going from being rejected to loved. From rejected to loved. Let's read it. But according to the Spirit. From rejected to loved. From rejected to loved. This also means we go from accused to accepted. Accused to accepted. Apart from Jesus, we stand accused. We are guilty, we have failed. And we're accused because of our sin. Verse 2, it says the law of sin. We've all fallen terribly short and, and just done things our own way. And we're guilty because of our mistakes. This is why it's so natural, even after we come to know Christ, for us to feel so condemned and rejected inside. Because that, apart from Jesus, is who we are. That's our sin nature. So, we're accused because of sin. We're also accused by the law. Verse 2, it talks about the law of death. If we don't obey God's standards, His law, perfectly, we are guilty and we deserve accusation. And this is why we feel so accused and rejected so often, because in the worst way possible without Christ, we are accused. We have failed, we are guilty. But thankfully, if you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've trusted in him, you are no longer accused. You're accepted. From accused to accepted, you're not guilty. God says, you are mine. You belong to me. We're accepted because of Jesus. Verse 1, it says, for those who are in Christ Jesus. New Living Translation says, for those who belong to Christ. This is belonging language. How did that happen? How did we go from rejected to belonging? Verse 2 says we were set free in Christ Jesus. We belong now because Jesus set us free from sin and the law. We're no longer accused because of what Jesus did for us. But how did that happen? How did Jesus get rid of this accusation? Verse 3 tells us God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. In the likeness of sinful flesh. See, Jesus substituted himself by living a sinless life for us. In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he substituted, substituted himself by obeying the law perfectly as a human in our place. And he did all of this. Just so we could go from rejected to love, from accused to accepted, from abandoned to belonging. Uh, Phil Wickham, we do a lot of his songs here in worship. Uh, his song called Anthem. There's a line in there that really helped me out with this. And, and Ryan Gray and I even had some discussions about this. What, 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 what about our worthiness before God? Are we worthy or, or are we not? And his line says, your grace says I'm worthy. Your grace says I'm worthy. Romans 1 and 2 made it very clear that in and of ourselves, we are not worthy of relationship with God. We certainly have infinite worth because we're made in the image of God. But we are not worthy of relationship because of our sin, but because of grace. His grace says you are worthy now. His grace changes the whole ballgame. His his undeserved favor and gift, we, we go from unworthy to worthy but not because of us, in spite of us, in fact. And it's all because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Now, I noticed in this, in this scripture, Romans 8, 1-4, if you look at it, there's, there's a theme of the Trinity in, in here. We're accepted not just because of Christ, we're also accepted by God the Father accepted by God the Father. Verse 3 says, for God has done. He did something. At the end it says, by sending his own son. See, God the Father is the one pulling the strings here to make it happen. God the Father moves towards us in love by sacrificing his son. I mean, this is, this is a picture of a father who gives the best gift possible. Now, imagine for a second, I hope this isn't true of anyone in here, but imagine for a second that you're just making life terrible for your boss lately. Just making it terrible. You're disrespectful to him in front of other people. You question everything he says. Okay, you're just making life terrible for your boss. But then, out of nowhere, he recommends you for a promotion. But not only that, He also takes a pay cut himself to ensure that you get a promotion and a raise. And on top of that, he's the first one there to give you a hug and congratulate you. Now, that doesn't make sense. What you deserve is to be fired for treating your boss that way. See, this is starting to get close, at least, to to God the Father. See, the Father proactively... And sacrificially is making a way for our acceptance, even though we deserve accusation. We don't deserve acceptance. We deserve to not get that raise. We deserve to not be accepted by God. So acceptance comes because of Jesus, by God the Father, and through the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity. Verse 2 talks about the Spirit. The law of the Spirit of life has set you free. The Holy Spirit is the agent bringing this life-giving freedom. And and the Holy Spirit, his job is to put a spotlight on Jesus. That's that's his whole goal. Not, Not to go, hey, look at me, I'm the Holy Spirit. No, he goes, look at Jesus. He's amazing. And that's what he does. The Holy Spirit comes in and goes, hey, remember, you're accepted. Look what Jesus did on the cross. You are accepted, Matt. You're free. There's a new law in town. Instead of this life choking law, this is a life giving law. Instead of the pain of accusation and rejection, you now get the joy of acceptance and belonging. And the Holy Spirit is the one that reminds us of this acceptance. So we go from accused to accepted. We also go from punished to pardoned. Punished to pardoned. Punished by God. We have God's just wrath and anger for our sin coming at us, coming to us. Those who are not in Jesus are condemned. But God is not to blame for that. It's on us because of our sin. Verse 3 said that Jesus Jesus died for sin. For sin. Whose sin? Mine. Yours? Romans 2.5 says this, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Strong language there. We rightfully have punishment coming our way. And it says we have this because of our hard hearts, but not just sinful hearts. It says impenitent hearts. That means unrepentant We know what's wrong, but we go, I don't care what's wrong. God, I'm going to do it my way. So we justly deserve punishment for our sin. This is what we naturally do. This is also why we feel condemned so easily, because without Christ, we rightfully have horrific punishment coming our way. Now, I've got, I've got a flashlight here, and right now, it's like, okay, cool, there's a flashlight. But with all this light on in here, it kind of gets drowned out, washed out. And this is what we tend to do with God's forgiveness through Jesus. We go, yeah, that's sweet. As Christians, we go, that's cool, that's, that's really great. But here's, here's why I'm trying to paint this, this horrific, terrible picture of our sin and, and our punishment. Let's turn all the lights off. Ooh, dramatic. I like that. See, the darker the canvas that we paint, the more we realize when, when the forgiveness of Jesus shines through, we realize, oh, wow. That is incredible. That is that is bright. That just pops. That just shines. And what we do as Christians, we think, oh man, you know, Jesus forgave me. That's sweet. But the reason we do that is we forget how black the backdrop actually is. We forget that what we deserve is eternal conscious torment in hell. That's what I deserve. That's what you deserve. And I don't share that with you to, to, to scare you. And God doesn't have that punishment coming towards us to, to be mean. Here's why he's doing it. He, he does this so he, we realize how amazing Jesus' light is that just shines through. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is only good news if you know the bad news. You can turn the lights back on. The brighter Christ's work shines in our hearts, the more we'll cherish the forgiveness that we're given. The more this line in Roman Date one will mean to us and affect us and infect us and change the way we live that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are forgiven. We are pardoned because of Christ there's no punishment coming your way. You know, sometimes I think about sins that I've, I've committed in the past, and I go, man, how's God going to punish me for that one? And you know what the answer is for me because I'm in Christ? He's not. He's not going to punish me for that one. This is incredible news. That's what we initially think of. There's no human comparison here. Actions produce consequences. But Jesus faced the consequences. Took our place. So that when we sin. He takes the punishment. And we're forgiven. Now certainly we don't want to take that for granted. But that's what's true. There's no condemnation. That's what this means. This is the bright light of forgiveness. Penetrating the darkness. Of our heart. So again I see. The theme of the Trinity in here, we're forgiven because of Christ, but we're forgiven by God the Father. Verses 3 and 4 at the end say, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. See, we're, we're seen as right before God. We're seen as justified, just as, as if I had never sinned. We're seen as flawless because of Christ's sacrifice. He views us as forgiven, as pardoned, as clean as his children. I want to show you a picture. Let's throw that magic eye up there. You guys know these magic eye things? Okay, I'll try to get out of the way. This one's especially hard, and it's going to be especially hard because of the setting here. Um, It's a big fish coming out of the water with its mouth open. It's really hard to see. Okay, so, you know... Anyone see it offhand? No, it's really hard because I always have to get close and then go like that. That's what really helps me. I, here's why I show you this. Um, I wish I had glasses so I could see these, right? Like you go to a 3D movie, here's your glasses. I, I wish these books came with glasses, but they don't. Here's what I'm trying to tell you guys. God the Father, when he forgives us, when we have faith in Christ, when we trust in Christ and we are his... He now looks at us with Christ's glasses, with his blood. He, he has these glasses and he looks at us and he goes, what sin? You're completely forgiven. He sees Christ's work. He has, he has the work of Christ glasses on, so to speak. So God the Father looks at us and all he can see anymore, which is all that matters, is that we're forgiven without blemish. So we're forgiven because of Christ, by God the Father, through the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, we see the law of the Spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit brings forgiveness to us, brings freedom to us. We're free from sin's punishment. And the Holy Spirit helps us initially, but then daily, moment by moment, He helps us enjoy and bask in this forgiveness. This forgiveness that was made possible by God the Father because of the work of God the Son. Lastly, we go from listening to the accuser to listening to the assurer or the Holy Spirit. The accuser is the devil. Jesus tells us in John 10.10 that the thief, the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The devil accuses you of your sin and your failure to obey his law. He steals any hope of being forgiven. He, He says things like, you're a rotten sinner. He kills any hope of not being sinful next time. There's no way. You could not do that again next time, Matt. That's the type of stuff he says. And he destroys any thoughts of joy and freedom from sin. As soon as I think, man, I can really be free of this. I can really walk in freedom because I'm forgiven today. He goes, no, you can't. That's the accuser. That's whose voice we had to listen to all of the time with no alternative before Christ but now that we have Christ we don't have to listen to that he still tries to speak and does speak sometimes very loudly to us as Christians but that is not the only voice there's a new sheriff in town and and this is the holy spirit the assurer i like to call him the reminder john 14:26 jesus says the helper the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He brings things to our remembrance. He reminds us. I, I think of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, if you've seen that, that Marvel movie, and, and the character Groot, he's a tree. Um, I'm really selling this, aren't I? Um, his name's Groot, and, and all he says the whole time, every time he talks, he says, I am Groot. I am Groot. You know what's funny? Just a side note. They cast Vin Diesel, who's a high-profile actor, to do that voice. Why are you paying someone a bunch of money to, do, to say one thing? I could do that. You all could do that and do a great job at it. What are, any, that's, sorry. That's just, that's just my, my thoughts there on that. But um, here's what I'm getting at. That's all he says. But, but Groot kind of says it in an annoying way. But here's what the Holy Spirit does. He does it in a really helpful way. When we're in situations where we just, we just hear the accuser whispering lies and half-truths and accusation at us. The Holy Spirit comes in and reminds us, hey, you know, you know what, Matt? You are accepted. You are forgiven. You are loved. You are cherished. Hey, Matt. Remember what I just told you two minutes ago? You are accepted and you are loved and you are cherished. Oh, and by the way, you're accepted, loved, and cherished. Because we need to hear it over and over and over before we start to really believe it and live in it. Holy Spirit reminds us. He reminds us of Jesus' work. Verse 2, the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. This freedom... Comes from the Holy Spirit as He reminds us of Christ. Remember you're loved. Remember you're not condemned because of Christ. You're free because He was bound for you. So quit quit walking around with these chains that, that have already been set free. You've already been unlocked from those chains. Be free of them. He reminds us of God the Father's heart. Verse 3: we see his heart. He sends his own son. In the likeness of sinful flesh. The father's heart is to give, to send, to rescue. The father's heart is to give sacrificially and extravagantly. Now certainly we, sometimes we think of God, man, why don't you just give me everything I want? But he gives good gifts, which aren't, often aren't good defined by us. But he gives us the best. What is best for us? And at the heart of it, what's best for us is relationship with him. The Holy Spirit enables us. He enables us to walk in our new identity of loved by God. Verse 4, it says, to walk according to the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit gives us even the ability to walk according to the Spirit. To obey God, to enjoy life in God's love. Apart from the Holy Spirit's enablement to walk, to obey, we just choose sinful, rejected, accused thinking and habits. But with the Holy Spirit's enablement, we have the ability now to enjoy God. We have the ability to reject sin, to reject rejection. We have the ability to reject accusation. And we have the ability to reject what the accuser of our souls is trying to whisper into our ears. We don't have to listen to that anymore. So, the call is to reject our old identity of being rejected and condemned, accused, punished, and embrace our new identity of being loved, accepted, forgiven. This is where it all begins. And where it all ends, where it all rises and falls. Who are you? Who am I? You know, in each moment, in each moment, the answer that you embrace to this question, who am I, is going to determine our thoughts and is going to determine our day. Am I rejected or am I loved? Am I accused or am I, am I accepted? Am I punished or am I forgiven? Am I listening to the accuser or the assurer? Easier said than done, though, right? Two Sundays ago, I was preparing for a message to to get up here and and give a message on church as a family. And the accuser, the devil, was shouting half-truths and straight-up lies to me as I sat at home trying to get the motivation to just come here. I heard, you're a hypocrite. You're not even sure you're living this passage out. Then, when I was up here, I actually heard, after I got done reading the scripture, I heard, you can't stay up there. Walk off the stage and leave now, Matt. Because you've failed at this passage in your past. And I really wanted to, and I almost did. However, thankfully, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the full truth reminded me of my new identity, that I was loved by him. So when I heard at home, when I was sitting at home, you're a hypocrite, not even sure you're living this out. The Holy Spirit was so faithful to say the words that I actually told to someone that week in my connection group. Um, It's like I was preaching to myself, but the Holy Spirit was reminding me. It was crazy, but these words, hey, Matt, every preacher in every sermon has been a hypocrite. Sorry to burst your bubble, by the way, if you you didn't know that. Every preacher and every sermon has been a hypocrite. And you've done everything you can this week to not be regarding this passage. But you are mine, Matt, and I want to use you today. So I got up off that couch and drove to church. And when I was up here, right here, and heard, you can't stay up there because the scripture you read, you failed at in the past. The Holy Spirit told me, Matt, you are preaching in two weeks this. There is no condemnation for you. Christ's blood covers over all your past failures. The truth and the message today that you're about to share is no less true because of you. You're covered by Christ's blood like anyone else. And so, in the Holy Spirit's strength, I stayed up here and finished that message. The devil will attack you from all angles with this old identity crap like he did me a couple of weeks ago. He's going to say things to you like you did that and you failed and you aren't worthy. And he's just going to shout those things sometimes. He's especially going to try to do it this week, probably even today because you heard this message because the accuser hates that you heard this message. He hates that you heard these words of life from Romans 8. So we need to stiff arm those thoughts of condemnation and rejection. We need to resist the pull to give up and to give in, especially to quick fixes like I wanted to, like just running away. Or, or, or quick fixes like overeating or, 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 or substance abuse or, or isolating or attacking or, or binging on, on Netflix or technology. This Here's the thing. It will numb your pain momentarily. It will. But it will not take the condemnation and rejection away. Listen to the Holy Spirit who will remind you of what's true. Here's what's true. If you are in Christ, God accepts you in spite of your past. God forgives you of all of your mistakes. All because of what Jesus did on the cross. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you have forgiven us. We are free. I pray this week as the accuser tries to just lie 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 to us that we would reject that and listen to the Holy Spirit and I thank you Holy Spirit that you are going to be so faithful to remind us of truth thank you for being the reminder God I pray for those moments like I had a couple Sundays ago I pray for those moments for everyone in this room that you would just give them supernatural Holy Spirit power To believe what is true and what is right. And I pray that in those moments we would be able to reach out to one another. To others that have the Holy Spirit inside them as well. For help. To hear. To be reminded of what's true. And we can't remember it when we can't. When our mind is so clouded. So thank you that we have a church family to do that. And thank you for your word that says very crystal clear what's true and right and good. Help us to run back to Romans 8 over and over and over and hear from you in that way as well, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen.